continue today with our unspoken series where we're digging into um, emotional and mental health and how it intersects with what God has to say in scripture and, and the Christian faith. And one of the things that we've seen over the course of this series is that these issues are a lot more pervasive than we think they are. Um, we, we've, we've shared statistics, we've, we've kind of dug deep into some things, and what we see here is that the struggle is real. Um, we all, um, in one way or another, are impacted by emotional and mental illness. Simply, it's a matter of, is it, is it impacting us? Is it impacting people we love and care for? Um, and, and that might be different among each of us, but each of us deals. Each of us has to, to face this struggle and figure out how to move forward. And so uh, as, we, as we continue today, I just want to say this. If you've missed some uh, of the sermons in this series, I, I think we've had some real good stuff. I want to encourage you to go back, listen online, watch the video, listen through your favorite podcast app, whatever you do. Uh, to be caught up, um, and especially uh, what Pastor David brought to us last week about depression, addiction, and suicide that was, was transparent and, and vulnerable and authentic, and I want to thank him for that, and I want to encourage you to really listen and dig in there. Um, and, and those that have shared testimony videos, so powerfully important to, to be able to put faces to these struggles. And, and listen, those are, th- those are the ones that agreed. We, we know that we struggle with this all across the board. Right, and so, so those stories are just snapshots of us, okay? And we continue, and today we talk about trauma. How do we deal with trauma as Christians? How do we understand trauma? More often than not, that trauma is coming from abuse. And it's one of those things that, that we wish wasn't true, has no place um, in, in a... In, in a world that God created and loved, but we live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world where, where sin um, oftentimes has its way, right? We see that in Genesis. You go all the way back to Genesis and there's the fall that happens. God creates perfectly and sin has no place in God's world. But, but the man and the woman choose rebellion. Sin enters the world and then, and then the, the first narrative we read after is, is sin having its way and, and resulting in, in evil being done. And that's what happens in the world. As, as Cain rebels against God and kills his brother, and, and we see in this that, that, that sin has its way in this world far too often. And some of you here, I want to know, as we start talking about trauma and abuse, I'm speaking very theoretically for some, and I'm speaking very personally to some. And if I'm speaking personally to you, I want you, I want you to understand that, that God has something for you. And if I'm speaking very generally to you, if I'm speaking theoretically to you, then I want you, I want you to walk into this with, with compassion and sensitivity. Right? So, let's just deal. Um, trauma. Trauma is this. It's, it's a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. And what happens is, um, because of some traumatic event, right? Abuse, war, suffering of some kind. Because of some traumatic event, I have this deeply or distressing experience. And what it does is, it, it buries itself. It buries itself in your experience. It buries itself in your subconscious. Um, 
Trauma is this deeply rooted weight that you carry that you were never intended to carry. See, when God creates the world, when God creates things, he creates them perfectly. When he knits you together, he does so in such a way that he has designed you and wired you to, with him, walk through life. But what happens is we have these traumatic experiences, things we were never intended um, to carry, things that were never supposed to be. But when they happen, they're deeply rooted um, in our conscious and they're deeply rooted. And, and then throughout our life, they have a tendency to rear their head. And, and they assert themselves over and over again in your everyday life. That's the problem with abuse, right? The problem with, there's a lot of problems with abuse, right? It, but, but the main problem with abuse is not the pain. And you heard Marilyn talk about this a little bit. It's not the pain of the moment. Oh, there's pain in the moment because it's never supposed to be that way. And the pain is, is heavy and it's unbearable and it happens, Right? But even worse than that, what happens with abuse or, or trauma is that it starts to reassert itself over and over again in your present everyday life. So this is what happens. Right? And, and, and trauma can come from anywhere, even places where we don't expect it to. I mean, trauma just um, rears its head. So sex too soon sometimes can be traumatic because we know that's not what God intended. Death that's too sudden, violence that's done to us, even worse, violence that's done to us by somebody that's familiar with us, somebody that was supposed to protect us. Betrayal um, that's born out of intimate relationships, no, prolonged neglect from someone that's charged with our love and our care, violations against us that are so frequent that they just become normalized. Abuse that happens over and over again, right? Pain that's overwhelming and pervasive. And what happens is these things create memories, they create trauma, they create tension, they create distress. And then, as you live your life, they come back to haunt you. Okay, and so as we dig into the scripture here, as we dig into what God has to say, we're going to figure out, like, how does God address trauma and abuse. And, and here's what I'll tell you. We're going to deal with this in three ways today. One is we're just going to define it like we are now. We're just going to talk candidly about what it is. It's not a topic we like to talk about. I, I so appreciate Marilyn. You know, we're doing that, that testimony video and she just says, you know what? Yeah, I, I was sexually abused. Because what happens oftentimes is we, is we feel shame over the trauma that someone else has done to us. So we're going to define what trauma is, and, and, and we're going to look at, at some hope that God gives us. God gives us some things. We're going to talk about four specifically, four things, gifts that God gives us when we deal with trauma. And we're going to see that in Scripture. He gives us at least four things we're going to unpack, and then we're going to talk as we finish up. We're going to talk about the one, what I think is the biggest stumbling block, the biggest stumbling block to overcoming trauma to overcoming abuse in our life, and that's anger. And we're going to dig into anger a little bit, and we're going to see what's there. Okay? So, as we go, there's something I want you to know, um, and it's just this. It's just simply, 1 John 3.1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. The reason I want us to start there, the reason I want you to dig into that is because um, 
there is something profoundly important about knowing our role before we start. And so this is a statement of fact. Now, here's the deal. I'm going to say this, and for those of you that are dealing with trauma and abuse, those of you that have that in your life, those of you that are, are racked by this, this has the potential to sound trite. This has the potential to sound glossy and fake. I'm going to acknowledge that for you, and I'm going to say, yes, we're going to deal with that. Because you're asking the question, well, if God lavishes so much love on me, and God does this, and he's so powerful, and he takes care of everything, if that's true, then why am I here? Then why hasn't he fixed it? Why do I have to live in this space where over and over again I experience this hardship and this suffering and this problem, and why? And I get that, and we're going to deal with that. But, but before, I just, I want you to sit here for a minute. I want you to feel the weight of this. If you are here and you have made a conscious decision, if you have said um, with your mouth and you have believed in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you have turned your life over to him, then you are a Christian. And if you are a Christ follower today, then this is truth for you. God has lavished such love on you that he considers you his child. Because that's what you are. And, and you sit there and you might think, but, but Matt, then how? Why? What? I get it. We'll answer. We'll talk. We'll deal. But right now, just feel the weight of this. That's how God feels about you. And those of us, those of you that, that have experienced trauma and abuse in your life, here's the thing. Sometimes we feel like it was earned. Sometimes we feel like it was deserved. Sometimes we feel so ashamed by it that we, we assume that when people know it and understand it that they don't want anything to do with us. We feel worthless because of it. It feels so heavy that we just want to tuck it away and hide it. Here's what I want you to know. Listen, the God of the universe knows. He understands. And he has lavished such love on you that he holds you and he calls you child. You aren't worthless. It wasn't your fault. You didn't do it. Right? And so we deal with trauma. We need to understand um, how God views us and we need to understand where we're coming from and we need to understand how it rears its head as we go because here's the thing about it. When we acknowledge trauma, we acknowledge it, but what we can't do is we can't use it as a free pass for devastating and sinful decisions that we make in our life. See, and all too often that's what happens in our world, right? That's why this gets such a, a hard thing to talk about because we understand that trauma happens, but those of us that haven't necessarily experienced trauma, what we want to say to people is put it away, it's done, it's in the past, let it go, right? But people that have experienced trauma, they have things like triggers that are real. We're going to talk about triggers here before we're done. And those of us that haven't experienced trauma, we look at somebody who says, well, that, that's a trigger for me. And we say, knock it off. It's in the past. Let it go. But somebody that's in the middle of it, it's so real and overwhelming. It feels like it's happening for the first time right now, and they don't know what to do with it, right? And so what we have to do, church, because faith and life have to intersect here, we have to figure out how to navigate this so that we can acknowledge the sin and the wrong, and turn it over to God, and we can figure out how to live in the midst of the hurt and the pain right now without just letting go, without just 
engaging in the addictive behavior that's wrong, without pushing away the good relationships that we have, without walking away from the church and saying, you know what, God, you can't possibly love me if you know what I'm like. Right? And so we have to figure out how to navigate this space. So in that, God tells us a few things that are helpful. Here's the first one. God remembers the evil that caused your trauma. We're going to read this all through scripture. We're going to read that God remembers the evil that caused our trauma. He is not going to forget. And part of not forgetting, listen to me, this is what I want you to understand. He is not going to allow the evil that caused your trauma to go unchallenged. Oftentimes, what happens is we experience abuse, we experience problems, we experience trauma, and then we sit back and we see those people flourish. We sit back and we see them live life not having to deal with any of the pain and suffering that we have to deal with. We are overburdened and we're ashamed and we're, we're weighed down and there's this burden that we carry and they are fine. At least that's what we see and that's what we think. And so we get this feeling like it's on us, right? And that we have to carry it. But here's the thing. I can promise you this. God remembers the evil that caused your trauma. He will not forget. And you do not have to carry it alone. See, here's what Satan wants you to do. Satan wants you to carry it by yourself. He wants you to carry it and suffer in silence and in shame. God says, bring me every painful detail and I won't forget. And his love for you is balm. His love for you should bring comfort to your heart and take solace in knowing this, that sin will be paid for in full. One way or the other, that sin will be paid for. That sin is either paid for by the perpetrator as he faces the, the judgment of the God of the universe at the end of this life. Sometimes, sometimes there is justice and what we would call justice that happens in this world. Sometimes perpetrators are, are, are brought to human justice, legal justice. Sometimes they're not, but don't let that confuse you because there is a time coming where the God of the universe will fully judge that sin that caused you pain. And in that judgment, either the perpetrator will face eternal separation from the God of the universe, or better yet, the full weight of that sin that caused you pain and trauma is placed on your Savior at the cross. And he says, I will, I will take it for you. But God does not forget the evil that caused you pain. The evil that caused you pain will be paid for. We keep going. Not only does God remember, but he speaks specifically to it. The Bible is full of words that will deal with your pain. We, we look at, at Job 3, Psalm 88, Lamentations, Jeremiah. The list goes on and on. The Bible is full of language that speaks specifically to your pain. The most beautiful text 
that speaks to the pain of trauma that you might deal with. The most beautiful text that deals with it is also the most confusing. We've touched on this multiple times in the last few weeks, um, but we're gonna keep doing it. Here's what it is. It's 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Here's what it says. Therefore, we do not lose heart because though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day our light and momentary troubles and remember paul isn't saying light and momentary like you stubbed your toe paul is talking about every evil awful thing in the world that's happened our but he calls them light and momentary why because our light and momentary troubles achieve for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all so we fix our eyes on jesus not on what's seen but what's unseen not on what's temporary but on what's eternal so here's the thing god has something to say to you in your suffering. And that thing that he's saying to you in your suffering is, look, it matters and it's okay. It matters and it's okay. Does it make sense? Absolutely not. But does it matter? Yes. Do you matter? Absolutely. Will you get through it? Yeah. Now listen, that's not trite words. Listen, church, what we can't do when people are suffering through trauma caused by abuse, things that, that flood in and problems they have, what we can't do is we can't offer trite words if you know what, it's okay. God will make it all better. This will only last a little bit. Everything is going to work out in the end. We can't offer those platitudes, right? We can't offer these words about comfort that maybe isn't coming this side of the grave. We hope that it does. It might but we can't stand here and say, well, here's what God promises, because God doesn't promise to do the things that we always wish he would do. But here's what God does. God does promise that you will get through it, and that it does matter, and that it's actually achieving some kind of glory for you. That when you persevere in trauma, when you don't let go, when you Stand up and look in the mirror and face it, even though it's overwhelming and crushing. And you cry out to God and say, God of the universe, I can't do this on my own. Help me stand up under it. And you walk out the door and you do life. Listen to me. It matters. And God says it's doing something for you. It's creating something for you. This is one of the most confusing texts in all of Scripture. And so what happens is, because we don't understand how it works together, we call it trite and we call it confusing and we throw it away. Listen to me. It is confusing, but it does not make it less true. This is what we tend to do. When we read Scripture that's confusing, we tend to decide that it's not for us and that it's too it's too weird for us and we can't know it. We can't understand it. We can't wrap our heads around it. And so we just put it aside and pretend it's not there. Don't do that with this. God has something to say to you in your trauma. It's not what you wish it was. What you wish it was, was I promise I'll fix it. You'll feel better by morning. Love God. That's not what it says. I wish it said that too but it's not what it says. But don't throw away what it does says because it's not what I wanted, right? And what this says is pretty darn awesome. What this says is, hey, don't lose heart. It's going to be okay. Yeah, you're wasting away. Yes, every day the pressure is great and it's hard, but I'm there with you, right? And it's light and momentary compared to what's next. And it's achieving for you. When you stand up under it through the power of Christ, it's achieving something for you. Listen, I don't know. I don't know exactly how that will play itself out, but I can't dismiss it because I don't know. 
There is heavy truth here. God has something to say to you. And what he says is, listen, I've got you. I know you wish that you would wake up in the morning and he would wipe it away. Do you know what's awesome? Magic erasers are awesome. I don't know what voodoo they put in a magic eraser that it can take Sharpie and just wipe it clean away. And I know that's what we want. Right? I know it's what we want. We want to wake up in the morning and we want it to be gone. We want God just to do what only God can do, which is just reach down and take the pain away and separate it as far as east is from west and just have it be gone for good. And you know what? I'll pray that with you. I'll cry those tears with you. I'll get down in the mud and sit there with you. And and, and I will long and beg God for that. But here's the thing. He doesn't promise it. Can he do it? Yes. Has he done it for people? Sure. Does he promise that he will? Absolutely not. But this is a promise that is sure. That what you're experiencing now will fade in comparison to what's to come. And it will actually, even though it it stings and it sucks now, it will actually do something for you. It will create an eternal glory. You matter. Your pain matters. Don't give up. We keep going. Third gift from God to those that are dealing with trauma. Um, He is present even in the midst of your triggers. Triggers is kind of a funny thing for us to think about in the church, because when we hear the word trigger, um, we tend to um, mock it. You don't have to raise your hand, but think about that. There are probably many of you in this room who have mocked the idea of someone being triggered, because we don't get it. We don't understand it. Also, we're tired of people using the idea of being triggered to seemingly just get their way. And we're tired of people using the idea of being triggered to excuse bad behavior. And so here's what we need to do. We, under, we need to understand what a, a trigger actually is, right? When we're triggered, what happens is, remember I said with, with trauma and abuse, it, it implants itself in your, in your subconscious, right? It's a real thing that you experience. It's a marker that's in you, right? And then oftentimes it reasserts itself in your everyday life. Smells. Places people, words, right? There are things that happen where all of the sudden, even though your today is fine and your today is safe and your today is good, that something happens that triggers this trauma in your life to rear its ugly head. And then all of the sudden, every feeling that was there at the beginning is there in you now. The only problem is when you stop here and you look around, there's nothing happening now that should be causing this to come out in me. Listen, if you haven't experienced this, go to bed tonight. Pray to the God of the universe and thank him deeply that that's not part of your experience in this life because there are many people that have it and there are many people that struggle with it. And we can't make light of it. But what we can do is we can work through it. We can start to understand that something that triggers me now because of pain and suffering that was very real in the past is telling a false tale of woe. And so we start to very carefully work through that through prayer, 
through patience, through Bible study, through accountability and, and hard words with people that we love and trust. We start to have conversations. See, everybody deals with spiritual warfare. And Satan is good at what he does. In this church, we, we believe in, in Satan. We know that he's real. Uh, we know that he is active and at work. We know that it is, is his goal to destroy you to destroy you, to stop you from, from coming to the cross of Christ for salvation. And once that's done, to stop you from being effective in your life and in your ministry. Right? That's what his goal is. And he is good at it. And for all of us, he, he, he puts things in our path. He tempts, he taunts, he frustrates. And, and it is what it is. But listen, for the person that suffers trauma, for the person that has triggers... He has an unfair advantage that some of us won't be able to understand or relate to. So here's what we have to do. We have to follow the words of Christ. And again, sometimes they're confusing, but they're there and they're there for a reason. He says this, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes, but at the same time, be as innocent as as doves. See, so Jesus is acknowledging this. He's saying, look, this is the deal. You're going to go out and you're going to struggle with this and, and this is going to happen. But, but whatever it is, here's what I want you to do. Be shrewd, right? Be as shrewd as snakes. Snakes, not an awesome term, right? We don't call people snakes because we're complimenting them. Right? Hey, you snake. Good to see you. Right? Oh, have you met David? He is such a snake. We don't do that in a friendly way, right? That's not a compliment. It's not something. But Jesus says here, look at those snakes, those people, those evildoers. Think, be as shrewd as they are. But in that, be as innocent as doves, right? It's this tension that we so often gloss over because we're not sure what it means. We're not sure how to process it. We're not sure how to deal with it. So here, here's what I'll just say about this. Look, for those of you that deal with triggers and trauma, listen, you have to be wise, Sometimes your gut is just sanctified. Sometimes situations are bad. Get out of them. Sometimes relationships are, are dismal. Let them go. Sometimes people are triggers. And as much as they may not mean to be and they may, meet, they may mean well, sometimes we just need to part ways as friends. Sometimes relationships are bad for me. Sometimes I don't need to be anywhere near booze because I struggle with... with drinking too much alcohol. Sometimes I just need to stay away from having a smartphone because I'm always pulled back into these, these habits and these things and looking at things on my phone that I shouldn't. So, hey, you know what? Flip phones are a thing, right? Or maybe, I don't know what it is, but we have to be shrewd in this. We have to be shrewd in making these decisions because trauma is real. Triggers are real and they tell us a tale, but also we need to be innocent and we need to know that what happened then was real and awful but sometimes we need to understand this too in the process. It's not happening now. And listen, that is a heavy tension to live in. What happened then was real and awful, but listen, it doesn't mean that it's happening now. Keep going. God gives us permission to feel with faith. This is the last gift that we're going to talk about today that he gives people that suffer with trauma. And, and what I mean by this and what I want you to understand in this is that um, 
it's okay for you to be confused and it's okay for you to even be angry at the God of the universe. It's okay for you to question. It's okay for you not to understand. See, somehow in our world, what we've done is we've kind of we've set this in motion that we expect to understand everything. We are Christians. Therefore, we have to just trust God and we have to just be happy about what God does and we just have to leave it at that. But if you read through the Psalms, if you read through uh, Jeremiah, if you read through Lamentations, if you read through any number of texts in Job, what you'll see is God is not scared by your confusion. God isn't scared at your frustration. God isn't hurt by your questions. When you cry out and you cry out, oh my God, why are you letting this happen? When you wake up in the morning and things feel so heavy and oppressive and, and you're dealing with this trauma and, and it's, it's wreaking havoc in the relationships that you have now and you know that it's wreaking havoc in the relationships you have now because something jacked you up way back here that wasn't on you and it's triggered over and over and here you are and you're trying to work through it and you just say, God, I thought you loved me. Why am I here? Listen to me. That doesn't scare God. God gives you permission to feel with faith. And so if you feel hurt, God isn't mad at your hurt. If you feel alone, God's not mad at your loneliness. If you're confused, listen, that does not scare him. He's not angry with you because you are hurt. Listen to me. God gives you permission to feel with faith because here is something that we know, right? We know that the isolation of trauma sometimes is even harder for Christians. I've done a lot of counseling in my life. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've seen people walk away from faith over this. Because they think somehow that they can't express their frustration to God because that makes God mad. And if that makes God mad, then he should have fixed this already. And if he should have fixed this already and he didn't, then he must not be worth anything to me. And so they walk away or they assume that God can't possibly be real because if he was real, then I wouldn't be stuck here. Here's what you know. The isolation of trauma is even harder when you know that there's a God that could bring resolution, but he hasn't yet. But God says, listen, feel your feelings with faith. Don't shy away from them. If you want to sit in my office and you want to say, Matt, I am mad at God, then guess what? Be mad at God. He can handle it. If you want to sit in my office and say, I just don't understand what's possibly happening. Is God mad at me or ashamed of me or disappointed in me? Did he take a day off? What happened? That doesn't scare God. God can handle that. Feel your feelings with faith. Cry out in frustration. Read through the Psalms. That's all that happens through the Psalms is people crying out in frustration. Yet in this, have hope. As you feel with faith, just know this. When it feels far away or when you aren't sure it's real, even then God is working for you. Even then, God will remember your pain. Even then, God gives you language in Scripture to speak directly to the feeling that you have. And he's promised. 
He's promised that, that he will make it okay in the end. He hasn't promised that he'll make it okay right now, but he has promised that he'll make it okay in the end. I want to say this too. See, those of you that are struggling with trauma in your life and struggling with triggers and trying to navigate this, you're listening to me and you're going, yeah, that, that all makes perfect sense. I feel that acutely. I'm there. I get it. If that's not you, then you're sitting here and you're thinking, okay, I, I can understand what you're saying. I don't experience it personally, but, but you've got somebody in your head that you know, somebody that you can think about that has experienced trauma that deals. Here's what I'm going to say to you. When you've got people in your life, when you've got people that count on you, and when you've got people that depend on you, and when you've got people that God has very clearly put in your sphere of responsibility, and they struggle with a history of abuse and trauma, listen, it is overwhelming, and I get it. It's overwhelming. When you are trying to minister to and love unconditionally somebody that struggles with abuse and trauma in their past and it rears its head now. And the thing is, when it rears its head, it doesn't usually rear its head and I'm going to go to my room and cry for a while and now I'm fine. It rears its head in ways that impact and devastate everything around them at times. And that's you. And all you're trying to do is love and cherish them. And all you're trying to do is pour out and minister. And you can't quite figure out how to live and operate in this space. Listen, I just want to say to you, I get it. And here's my word for you. Endure. Don't stop. Endure. Be, be like these friends. And Luke tells us about this story where, where Jesus was in, in a village and he was healing and he had gone to this home, and he was, he was teaching and laying hands on and healing, and there was this man who was, who was um, paralyzed. And he had some friends who desperately wanted to get this man to Jesus so that he could be healed. And they got there, and the crowd was so thick, and the line was so big, there was no way they could get there. One of them maybe could have pushed their way through. Two of them maybe. But they're carrying their buddy on a mat. There's no way. But here's what they did. They endured. They climbed to the roof. They removed some of the tiles. They lowered him down, right? So that he lay on a mat, eventually in front of Jesus. This full attention. Endure. Endure. If you are charged with the love and care and ministering to and, and, uh, of somebody that struggles in this way, don't give up. Endure. Intercede in prayer. I don't expect you to put them on a mat and lower them through a ceiling. That would be weird. But I, I do want you to endure in prayer. You know, maybe you don't have to carry them on a mat. Maybe you just need to get on your knees. And you just need to pray for relief and for hope. Yeah, for you, but for them. Endure. All right, last thing I want to deal with here, here quickly is what I think is this number one stumbling block to, to dealing with, with trauma and abuse. And it's just anger. We keep going. Um, raise your hand. You be, you've been angry before. Okay, just checking. Um, I, sometimes I know I get really angry. And then I think, man, maybe I'm the only guy that gets angry. Um, but then I remember that, no, that's not true. Um, that's a lie of the enemy. And you all get just as angry as I do, 
right? And there are two ways that we get angry, right? Mind races, blood boils. We shift into that part of our brain where we don't think clearly. We do stupid when we get angry. And the problem is when we carry angry, it gets in the way of healing. It does. When we carry angry, it gets in the way of healing. And and there's two ways we do it. It's a spectrum. On this end of the spectrum, it's this kind of repressed anger. And then on this end of the spectrum, it's volcanic anger. You know the volcanic anger, right? There is nobody in the history of the world that's ever been able to hide volcanic anger, right? When they're angry, you, everybody around you, the people that live down the street, usually the police, they all know it, right? Because it just blows up like a volcano. That's why we call it volcanic anger. This end, though, this repressed anger, we should rename this. This should be Christian anger. Because we as Christians know we're not supposed to get angry. We know we're not supposed to act angry. What we're not good at is just not being angry, right? We still get angry. We just push it down so we don't have to deal with it. We just push it down so it doesn't come out. We just try to lock it in there. The problem with that, look, anger that's not processed doesn't go away, right? Here's the other thing it doesn't do, though. See, we get this idea that anger not processed pushes down until we become a pressure cooker, and that eventually it explodes. That's not what happens. It leaks. Anger that's not processed is like poison that leaks out of you little bit at a time, and it infects everything. It leaks out. It ruins relationships, decimates families, mars marriages, right? It divides churches and workplaces. Anger that's not processed doesn't just go away. It just becomes this leaking, oozing poison that just infects everything. Even your relationship with God And so I want to encourage you to deal with your anger. Look at Ephesians 4. Man. Ephesians 4, here's what it says. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry because anger gives a foothold to the devil. That's what it says. Anger gives a foothold to the devil. So we know what's happening. When you get angry, you're actually giving Satan space to jack with your life. Listen. Satan messes with my life enough. I don't need to give him an invitation to come on in and do it. And so we read, as Paul writes, there are three commands here about anger. One is, don't let it control you and be sinful, right? Anger doesn't have to be bad. You can be righteously angry at a lot of things. Our world has a lot of things that we should be righteously angry about. But most of us, our problem isn't getting righteously angry. Most of us, our problem is we get angry over things that we shouldn't, and it turns into sin. So don't sin. And then you get this, don't be angry too long. That's what he means. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. It does not literally mean don't go to sleep while you're still angry, although that's a great rule of thumb, right? But what it means is don't let your anger linger. Don't be angry long. Like, it's not like I wake up in the morning and I'm angry, so I better go ahead and deal with it. I can hold on to it all day, right? But by sunset, I better make sure I take care of my, that's not what it's taught. It's just don't hold on to it very long. And then finally is this, Don't let Satan use your anger to to mess with you. Don't, 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 don't. It's where bitterness, you know this, as as soon as Satan knows that you're justifying your anger, as soon as he has you justifying your anger, right? Your anger, and you know what? You don't have to get rid of it quickly. And you don't have to work to be done with it. Why? Because you deserve it. Because they hurt you. 
and because nobody understands you and because life isn't fair, as soon as Satan has you justifying your anger, it's a short walk to the breaking of relationships and to the sin that wreaks havoc. It's a short walk to messing with your family and your workplace and your church and your marriage. As soon as he has that, you become easy to manipulate. Okay, so real quick, three things so that you can, in your anger, not sin. Three things. One, realize that anger is just the tip of the iceberg. Right? When you're angry, what you see is just a fraction of what's happening underneath. Just a fraction of what's happening underneath. Two, follow the, I know this is so cheesy, right? Follow the ABCDs of anger right? The ABCDs of anger. You can actually thank uh, Pastor Steve Sunby for the ABCDs of anger. Uh, here's what they are. Just tell you real quick. A, accept it. Admit you're angry. Too many Christians, especially Christian men, uh, but women too, but too many Christian men refuse to admit that they're angry. Why? Because they know they're not supposed to be. So they refuse to admit it. Well, if you refuse to admit that you're angry, guess what? You're holding on to it. You're harboring it. You're giving Satan space to operate. Knock it off. Admit you're angry. B, backtrack right? Why am I angry, right? Um, if you just deal with this thing right here on the surface, you're not getting very far. It's like the, uh, the, the indicator light in your car. Once had a buddy, actually Pastor Byron Hand, um, back at Bethany. And what Byron told this story, and, and it was something that his mechanic, his former mechanic had done to him. He couldn't figure out why the light on the dash kept coming on. The check engine, check engine, he kept taking it in. They'd run diagnostics. He'd pay a bunch of money, couldn't figure it out. Eventually he took it and he said, look, I don't care what you have to do. Figure out why this light keeps coming on in my car. I don't want to see this light ever again. It was, this was his last instruction to the mechanic. I don't want to see the indicator light. The guy took the light bulb out. Here's the thing. That's not going to fix the problem. You got to backtrack just a little bit. Right? And, and the C of this is you got to figure out the cause. Anger, you know this, right? This is Counseling 101. If you didn't know it, you can pay me $150. We'll be fine. Um, that's what it costs when you go to counseling. doesn't matter. Um, here's the deal. Anger is a secondary emotion. Figure out why it's there. Figure out why it's there. It's, a sec it's always a secondary emotion. Right? Are you jealous? Are you hurt? Are you disappointed? Are you wounded by somebody else's actions? Are you hurt by unmet expectations that you had? Are you scared? I don't know. Are you nervous? I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. Are you anxious? I don't know, but, but anger is a secondary emotion, right? And then the last thing we do is we deal with it, right? Like, what, what, what do I do about it, right? What do I do? So you think about this, right? Like, like so I, I did this just this weekend. Um, I started um, to get, it was just last night, actually. Um, so I, I'm reading an email, and, and something, all of a sudden I read the email and I start to get angry. I'm just mad. I'm just, ugh, you know, I can feel my blood pressure going up. I like, like, my head starts to hurt. I'm starting to get in this, like, I'm just not happy right now. I'm angry. Like, okay, Matt, you're going to preach on this, right? Practice. First of all, Look in the mirror. Dude, you're mad. You're angry. Okay? Backtrack. Why are you angry? What's, what's that? What's the primary thing that's happening that's causing? What's the emotion that's underneath that's causing you to be angry? Well, you know what it was? I was feeling really, really vulnerable. 
I was feeling like I'm not good enough. I was feeling like when it comes to being a pastor, sometimes I suck. And I just don't do it well. Like, well, that's weird. Why do you feel that way? I mean, partly because it's true. You're like, no, that's not weird, Matt. No, I get, it's okay. I'm like, why, why am I feeling that way? Well, because I just read an email. Like, what's the cause? Well, I read an email that said somebody had decided to leave the church because they just didn't feel like their needs were getting met and they were going somewhere else where their needs were getting met. Like, huh. Okay, so all of a sudden, I'm getting really angry. I'm getting really angry and I'm not sure why. Why? Well, because I'm, because I'm feeling vulnerable and insecure. Why am I feeling insecure? Because somebody decided to leave the church. And so what do I do? I deal with it. Deal with it can look a lot of ways. Some of you need to go to therapy. No shame in that. I go. Some of, you, some of you need to reach out to an accountability partner and dig into accountability. Some of you need to work hard to forgive other people. Some of you, when these happen, you just need to pray. And that, that's what it was for me as I just prayed. I'm like, okay, God, I think I'm doing everything that you put in front of me to do. I confess that I don't do it perfectly and I commit to trying to do your will. And that's all I can do. But you don't hold on to these. The last thing you do is you seek to live out James 1.19. Ask the praise team to come up as we'll close right here. Understand this, dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Be quick to listen. That's countercultural in, in, in our world where uh, we tend to be very reactive and not very reflective. Be quick to listen. Listen to the people listen to the underlying stuff going on, listen to your accountability partners. Um, If I could be so bold, listen to your pastor, listen, listen to the Holy Spirit of God. Be quick to listen, be slow to speak. Here's the thing I'll tell you. You are going to regret much more the things that you said rather than the things that you chose not to. You're going to regret much more the things that you say or post on Facebook than the things that you choose not to. And be slow to get angry. Give yourself a minute. Follow those ABCDs. Look, if you've got trauma in your life, I get it. But part of dealing with trauma in your life, being able to overcome those triggers means we we gotta let go of being anger. We gotta dig in. We gotta dig into Christ. We gotta talk to people we trust. We've gotta endure. It matters. Would you pray with me? And we'll close. Heavenly Father, God, we just love you. And we praise you and we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for the fact that you can handle our feelings. Not to be blasphemous and not to be disrespectful, but God, when we hurt, to tell you that we hurt. When we're confused, to tell you that we're confused. When we're frustrated with you, to tell you that we're frustrated with you. And then in that, just to sit and know that you love us. And know that even then, that you've lavished such love on us that you call us your children because that's what we are. God, we love you and we praise you and we just thank you. Amen.